Hello and welcome to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway for Sunday, September 5th, 2021. My name is James Marino, and on the broadcast today we have Michael Portantier. Michael is a theater reviewer and essayist. He's the founder and editor of KissedAlbumReviews.com. He's a, also a theatrical photographer whose photos have appeared in the New York Times and other major publications. You can see his photography work at FollowSpotPhoto.com. Hello, Michael. Hello. Peter Felicia is on the road, but... We will be talking to him uh, later in this broadcast. Uh, we will get the uh, catch up with him and talk about trivia and what he's doing this week. With us today, we have a very special guest. Bob Mackey is with us. And it's not very often we get to talk with uh, a living legend, but <laughs> certainly Bob is one. He's, he's just a designer in the entertainment sphere who has touched... Everybody, up, down, and sideways, a Tony Award winner. His impact on Broadway, we're going to start uh, from uh, his Broadway credits in the very beginning. On the Town, Lorelei, Debbie, Platinum, The Best Little Whorehouse Goes Public, Moon Over Buffalo, Putting It Together, Manelli on Manelli, The Share Show, for which he won the uh, costume design, uh, best costume design of a musical. So, and also uh, with uh, Bob uh, joining us from P-Town is uh, Joe McFate, uh, des- a design director with uh, Bob. So welcome to Broadway Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So, uh, Bob, uh, yes. you've told this story a, a number of times, but we've never we've not had the chance to speak with you on Broadway Radio just yet until now. But you were born in California and got hooked into the entertainment industry very young, going to the movies. Is that, is that correct? Well, it was all about going to the movies in those in those days, like in the in the early forties and the fifties when I was in still in school <laughs> and. Uh, there were a lot of movies about show business and getting to Broadway and, and, you know, playing the palace and all of that. And I was, I didn't know what any of that was, but it sounded terrific. And I wanted to be part of it. And uh, I would go home and, you know, just design these sort of crazy shows that didn't even exist, but in my mind they did. And, uh, and of course it was very inspirational for me. And I, that was what I was interested in and I kept working on it. So by the time I, I sort of got out of design school, I I just went right to work. I, I never had any, I never had to to do anything except wash dishes for about a month <laughs> in, in, a restaurant, in a restaurant. And and then I decided, well, you know, this isn't working. And I got the I got a job at Paramount. So my life has been pretty much straightforward I, from where I started. I didn't I didn't have any weird jobs except. You know, it was the Easter Bunny once in a department store, but that's that's that well, was. How as, about candy apples? Well, that was as close <laughs> to show business as I was. <laughs> what about your uh, your uh, parents and your family? Artistic? Uh, how did, did they support you in your artistic? My, my parents, I don't remember them ever going to the theater. It never would occur to them to go to the theater, and barely to the movies. You know, so my mother loved the movies. And and I didn't live with her, so she that would be what she did when we we got together and spent a weekend together, and um, which was fine with me. I was happy, you know, and I could always talk her out of a new shirt or some money, <laughs> so it, it all worked out all right. But but it was just a funny group to be brought up around because they had no interest in anything like that. Well, who was your uh, mentor when you were, uh, um, you know, growing up in the industry? Well, nobody in particular. I worked around. I got. I started working. I, I guess it was like nineteen sixty one, and I was hired to do sketches for for other designers who didn't want to do their own or didn't mm. draw or whatever. And, and I worked for Jean Louis, and then I I, I got stuck at Paramount helping out another designer. And of course, Paramount was Edith Head territory. And so mm-hmm. we were we were renting an office there working on a film to be made in Europe with uh, Charles Boyer and Glenn Ford and Hope Lang. And, and I was doing the sketches for it. Well, 
Edith would come in every day and check me out to see what he, what I could do <laughs> before I knew it. I was working for her as well. So it was, it was really like within the first week, I had all kinds of contacts that seemed to work and, and they sort of took turns with me for a couple of, uh, a couple of years before I started doing my own work. And then wasn't it later that uh, fellow whose name I have never been able to pronounce correctly, Ray, Ray Agayan. Yes. Uh. Agayan. He's, he's from Tehran. He's half Persian. He was half Persian and half Armenian. That's a combination to work wow. with. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Whatever. Anyway, we got to be very close and, uh, and we ended up being together. 49. 49 years, you know. So. Oh, my gosh. So we, we, we knew how to work together for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so um, your, uh, your work brought you, as you mentioned, uh, in Paramount and on the West Coast in movies uh, and a lot of movies that talked about making of shows. Well, and ha- it did, certainly it, the early movies, the ones that you would see from the 40s, in the 50s that were about show business. I love those. Those are my favorite movies always with Betty mm. Grable and, you know, Carmen Miranda and who, whoever was in them. You know, there were all kinds of interesting people in them. Uh, you know, Rita Hayworth, all those people were so fabulous in my mind. And, and you know, they still are. They really, they, they're still in there dancing and singing and wearing funny clothes. <laughs> <laughs> what was the uh, the most uh, out there, outlandish types of designs that uh, somebody asked you to do for them uh, in, in this uh, in this case? Oh, I don't know. I never I never said no to anything. You know, I was, I was so happy just to be working. And of course, if they had, you know, in the beginning there was always these sort of lovely matronly sketch artists that worked for uh, different designers. And I was the one that they would always call in the beginning uh, when that person was out of town or sick or whatever. And and then they'd say, Ken, do you think you could design a stripper? And I said, <laughs> okay. I said, I think I can. And then I told, I told them the story that I was on the bus with my mother one day uh, going back to her apartment and we passed the, uh, the Los Angeles downtown uh, uh, burlesque house. And I said, what kind of movies do they show in there? <laughs> and she, it took her a second and she said, well, that's where strip teasers work. And, and I said, <laughs> I said, well, they sure have pretty dresses. You know, I thought that was pretty good. And, um, and I, you know, I must've been maybe seven or eight or something, you know, so, <laughs> Uh, but I didn't quite understand. And I said, well, why did they do that? Why did they take their clothes off? And she says, well, the men like it. And I went, oh, okay. And I, I never, I never questioned it after that. So if somebody wanted something kind of sexy, uh, this little new kid was ready for it. I guess it worked <laughs> out. I don't yeah. Know. You know, and then, uh, you made a splash with uh Cher's naked dress. Well, I I did. Well, I had been working with Jean Louis, who who did all of Dietrich's things for her nightclub act, you know. And those were all kind of naked, the see through, and and I thought, oh, geez, I could do that. I know how to do that's easy, and um, and then it got so that's all anyone wanted from me for a while, you know. Every <laughs> all, all these sort of B list. Uh, actresses wanted dresses like Cher, you know, that it, it, it became just crazy. And I said, no, 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 you, you will, I'll do something for you, but I think I want to do it for you with you in mind, not something she might wear. Mm. By the way, Bob and Joe are, are joining us from P town. And the main reason they're there is to see another living legend, Marilyn May. Uh, yes. That's right. Yes. She's Marilyn sort of like, like I just look at her and I think, Oh, if I can just work that hard and that, that well, when I'm that age <laughs> and I'm getting so close to that age that it doesn't really matter. You know, I, I, I guess I'm still working. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> 
So uh, we touched upon uh, Cher and her and the famous dress that you made for her, and then well, you... it, was a, it was a dress that we did. Uh, Richard Avedon was doing a whole thing for Vogue magazine for uh, in 1974, I think it was, and that was the new dress that was hanging in the closet. And we were going to the Met Ball at that time that that uh, Diana Vreeland had done, and it was all about Hollywood. It was all about Hollywood and the movies. And she was smart enough to get things from the past, but she also hunted around Hollywood to see what the the the, the new folks were doing. Mm. And she was very impressed by a lot of it. She said the clothes in Hollywood were 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 as good or better than you know couture clothes from Paris and and Rome and all of that. And we were very flattered and and they were in the exhibit and uh, it it got me started really well. You know, I I had a I had a good start. I never had any hiccups along the way in the beginning. You had dresses, you had gowns though in that exhibit. Oh, I did. I had several, several things on exhibit at the Met, you know, and usually you don't get that when you're in your early 20s. That doesn't usually Wow. So you uh, then got a chance uh, more recently to design the share show on Broadway, and uh, it, that involved that involved uh, dressing real people in real circumstances and and being you know a, a character in a show that you, it's very meta. That you're, yeah, it, it was a little odd seeing yourself being portrayed on stage. And I How was, did you dress yourself? Did you have to go far? Well, I I, I made I, I dressed I I dressed Michael um, Barres. I, I dressed him better than I dress, you know, in a little in a little, little flashier. And they put a you know he's a nice Italian boy. They put a blonde wig on him, and and uh, he became Bob Mackey, and he. It was delightful and wonderful for me to work with. I, you know, it was great. And, uh, but the whole thing was really fun, but they weren't going to hire me to start with. They, I, I think they thought I was maybe dead already. I don't know. I, I'm really not sure. <laughs> was he still working? And it was, it was, you know, the darling star of the whole thing who made a big fuss about the fact that I wasn't doing the show. You know, they had hired a stylist. I don't know if she's going to go to Macy's and just do a lot of share shopping, but I, I don't know. It, it, it was it was kind of funny. I, I just said, well, how, how is she going to do that? You know, anyway. But share herself. She was actually, that. she was actually, the, the lady they were hiring is a wonderful designer and, and more of a designer than a stylist. But, but. I still thought that I should be doing that show and so did Cher. So it, I ended up doing it, but half of those, the producers and everybody, they didn't know if I was still around or not. It was just <laughs> a name in the script. After P-Town, uh, Bob and Joe are coming to New York for, I think you said the first time in about two years, right? That's correct. We well, have a fitting. you know, yeah. I, we have a fit. I'm actually, I'm fitting my little darling Bernadette Peters, who I've known since she you know, a guest, the first guest, one of the guests on, on the Carol Burnett show, and she was like 21. Now, I, I, don't, even, I don't even want to say <laughs> I, how old she, I think she is. But, you know, it's amazing. All my, all my young clients are, are sort of working into the older group. <laughs> uh, you know, Bernadette still looks 21. Well, she I, does. Don't, I don't know how she does that. She's really a miracle. She really is. She's, she's just fabulous. And, and of course, talented, and you know, I mean, she's she's our big Broadway star. And you're you're uh, sending her for the Tonys, yes? Yeah. Well, and she's also nominated for an Emmy for Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. So there's yeah. a couple of events, and yeah. she's oh. work. She's going to work. A she's girl needs other... a new dress now and then. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> we're going <laughs> to. So uh, you mentioned that uh, you were. Um, your work was at the Met when you were very young. You also had uh, uh, this uh, this installation called Camp Fashion uh, yeah. at the Met. So tell us about uh, tell us about that. That that was well, the, the camp thing at the Met Ball. I, I, most people, I don't think they understood what camp really was. Camp <laughs> is sort of an outdated, old fashioned, um, sort of semi gay expression that that I used to hear a lot when I went into the business. I had no idea what that meant. 
And they say, oh, it's so camp. Oh, darling, look how campy this is. These would be people that I was working for. And I go, well, what does that mean? Why is it? You know, I just, I was just doing what came naturally. And that maybe was campy. I, I don't know. <laughs> it became camp. I, I know, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to, to go into that. You know, I don't know. You just try to do your best and try to do what's right to help the show, help the actor, help make it all good and be visually entertaining. That's that's part of the job. But in your case, your your camp, the share costume was next to the Liberace costume. Well, talk about camp, you know, mm. and, and they were not you know, romantically attached at all. They were just standing next to each other. At, at the <laughs> that was the, as you exited the <laughs> exhibition, Cher was on one side and Liberace was on the other. And I thought I never did Liberace's clothes. So I just ignored it. <laughs> <laughs> they were equally bejeweled. So uh, your work has transcended all sorts of media. Uh, and uh, you mentioned before that, uh, you had uh, done some stuff with Vogue, and we have the Devil Wears product coming to Broadway. Did they call you up to ask for some <laughs> Anna Wartour stories? Uh, no, no. Well, I never really worked for her. Uh, you know, she wasn't even there. It was Raylan that was there. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know her. She, you know, I... I a big I, supporter. I went to a lovely dinner party of all these sort of Tony... Well, I was saying she was just lovely to me. And on, on this whole thing, and she gave a big dinner party for all the nominees for the Tony Awards. And I went to her house and it was quite, quite fabulous, really. And I hadn't met all those people because I haven't worked in theater that much that I would know the whole room full of people. And there were some amazing actors and, and performers and what, whatever there, you know, they were all there and they were all thrilled to be in Anna Wintour's house. So it was quite fun. It really was fun. She's very into the theater and, and, uh, and, has is a big fan herself, obviously. Sure. So uh, having this whole experience of uh, the craziness of the, the 2019 Tony Awards, and when you get nominated, you get brought you you get go to nomination lunches, and oh, everybody calls you. Everybody wants to interview you. A lot of lunches, a lot of interviews, and uh, and then then I got another award from the CFDA, which is the the. I see that, yeah. Fashion designers of America, or whatever they whatever that means, and um, you know, it was just it was kind of like a wild thing for me, and I thought, well, it's not too bad for an old lady year old, you know. I, I was happy. <laughs> yes, but you also you also got the Drama Desk Award, Critics I, Award. It was I an did. amazing year. I, I, I didn't go to a luncheon that I didn't get, get something. And I, it was just, <laughs> it was the best, best couple of weeks that I've ever had, you know, fabulous. I mean, I do have Emmys because I've done so much television, but uh, this was really special because uh, Broadway was always the, where I wanted to end up. I mean, when my uncle asked me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to be a costume designer on Broadway. And he just, his eyes rolled back into his head and he, he just walked the other direction. He didn't know what to think of me. <laughs> Your first show. I, I wish I had seen this. It, it, it kind of is, is legendary in itself, even though it only ran two months was the 1971 revival of on the town with an amazing cast including the aforementioned bernadette and phyllis newman and donna mckechnie ramak ramsey uh um i i I think people feel that the reason it wasn't successful is that um they didn't market it correctly and also i think that, that was right right when nostalgia quote unquote, was starting to come in again because uh, no, no, Nanette had already happened, but just, just, you know, and what was so interesting about that. And I, at the time I kept thinking, you know, we did it like a forties musical, forties movie musical kind of, and which they did one at MGM, but then they changed all the music except for, I think one song or something. Mm, Yeah. And and the, the instinct of, uh, Music wasn't kitschy like the '40s movie musicals were, you know? right? And it it didn't. It was beautiful music, but it, it's kind of like, oh well. I mean, you know, when they when they made the movie and everybody was so horrified that they they cut the some of the original music out and, and wrote new songs. 
and uh, which weren't that great, but but it, they it was more like the style of the time when they're doing musicals about sailors and girls in New York hmm. and that sort of thing. And the particularly horrible thing about that is that uh, Compton and Green had already written the Broadway show with Bernstein, right. and then they were hired, you know, to work on the movie, and they were hired to write the new songs with Roger Edens. <laughs> Well, yeah, the whole thing had to be uncomfortable at best, yes. <laughs> really uncomfortable. And I just felt like, you know, as I was there and I was I was still, you know, pretty young when you, when you think about it. That's quite a while ago. And uh, I, even then I thought, well, this music is is so beautiful and grand. It needs to be a little a little kitschier, a little more 1940s wartime, uh, you know, Andrew Sisters or whatever. I don't know. It just it, it it didn't seem to quite sit right for me. Were you pleased overall with that 71 production? I was. Well, I, listen, I, are you kidding? It was it, for me to be doing a show on Broadway at that point in my life. I was thrilled. And of course, I, I love Bernadette and, and and I knew her and and I knew a lot of people. Jim, Jim Tridipo did the sets and co- I mean, did the co- the sets, right? The art director. And and he was a friend of mine. But then he died during the production before we got it on. And his, his twin brother had to finish it up. And I see that Ron Field directed it. Ron Fields. Yeah, I worked a lot with Ron Fields. He had done a lot of stuff in Hollywood. So I got to know him and he um, he was working with me and Ray uh, right. on several different uh, projects and things. Hmm. You did the 1993 uh, television adaptation of Gypsy. I did. That was like a gift. I loved doing that. I never, didn't think I'd ever get a chance to do that show, to design those costumes. So tell us about that. Uh, did, uh, did you start again from scratch, or did they give you a framework to work with? Or They gave me a, an original script, is what they did. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and we, we had to perform it out of costume uh, a month before we ever started taping anything. Um, uh, because of uh, what's his name? What's what the author's name? Uh, oh, Arthur Lawrence. Arthur, Arthur Lawrence. Arthur Lawrence had to come and, and inspect the rehearsal, whatever. And it was <laughs> it was kind of terrifying, really. He's really uh, easy to work with. Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> I I stayed I because there were no costumes in the little little presentation. I stayed away from him. I didn't want to hear. I I just thought, well, if he doesn't meet me, he won't have anything to tell me. <laughs> and uh, it worked out fine. What about department. Linda Hart? Well, Linda Hart, Linda Hart is a little prima donna who used to be a harlot and she's good. She's talented and good, but she, she wouldn't trust me that she could have a backless costume without a lot of bra straps. And I, I did it. I did it. We, we kept those girls up. Oh, and uh, gosh, you almost, <laughs> you almost, I guess you almost got to design for uh, Barbara Harris because she was supposed to be. Tessa well, that, was, that was very quick and short. I mean, I, I never even got to meet the lady uh, mm. before she was, she decided she wasn't going to do this show. Uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, Christine Ebersol was really wonderful as this yes. tall stripper, <laughs> you know, funny. and Bet was, was always mad at her. And, and, and of course, <laughs> Christine's boobies used to be right in Bet's face when she was screaming at her, which I always thought was quite funny. <laughs> and one day I came in and Bet was dressed in this sort of late twenties, early thirties outfit. And she pulled out her, her big sort of 1940s platform shoes so she could be taller. And I said, you can't do that. You're out of, you're out of period. Besides that, it's funny that, that you're talking to this tall, tall girl. And she went, oh, yeah, okay. But she just hated being shorter. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, one of the interesting things is that uh, uh, we, we can't not talk about the Carol Burnett show and talking about funny things. Uh, I <laughs> right. mean, the, uh, how did, how, uh, you know, uh, it, it, how did your uh, your costume designs play into the humor, and uh, and did you did you get these things uh, from the very early stages, or were they kind of uh, set in stone before you were asked to design uh, whatever was not, happening? Not really. No, no. She, 
she was, I think Carol, I think was quite pleased that I had ideas and, and I had, you know, thing, things in my mind about what was funny and what wasn't visually. And, and if, and if the script came in and I thought, Oh, this, we've done this character before, what can we do? And I'd come up with an idea and I just give her a call. And I said, what do you think? I said, you know, if, if she didn't want to do it, I certainly wouldn't have done it. Uh, I wouldn't have done it, but she would, Carol was like that. She would always listen to what I had to say or what an idea that I have. And very often she would say, now I know how to play this. Oh, good, good. And and it would just click in her mind. The lady is brilliantly smart. She's just smart and bright. And, and, and she trusts the people that she hires to do their job. And I, I always loved that about her. For me, it was great. But she was that way with everybody and, and would, would love having, uh, she would give better, better parts to guest stars so they would really score well. And that's, that's a special kind of performer. There was that amazing exhibit uh, of, of your stuff that was done some years ago. Was it FIT? FIT, yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> oh, that was so amazing, Bob. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Well, it was kind of funny. The, the curtain rod dress from uh, Went With the Wind uh, <laughs> ended up in the front window right right on 7th Avenue. I mean, of all, <laughs> all the glamour I've done in my life, you know, there it was as the most important costume of my life. But, <laughs> you know, it might be. That's the one everybody always asks me about or says, you know, the one I like the best <laughs> is when Carol Worth the curtain rod. And I said, really? You know, I, I hear that probably, you know, 20 times a week uh, at this point in time, but it's, it's in the Smithsonian. So that's kind of fun. Well, but the other most famous one is, as James mentioned, is probably the Cher's naked dress. So, so I guess maybe they balance El- each other. <laughs> El- 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 Elton John's uh, duck. Uh, oh, you like the duck. Well, that, that gave him some good laughs during his performance because he couldn't do anything in it. You know, it, had, it was amazing. But Around Oscar time, it's more likely the Mohawk costume that Cher gave uh, Donna Amici, his best supporting actor, mm. uh, Oscar to. And, and that, that's going to be in the, the uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences Museum this October. Well, it's, it's famous. It gets printed every year. I mean, every time they talk about Oscar fashion. Sure. That whole get up, you know, gets, gets printed. And, and it's. And it's funny. And I said to her at the time, I said, don't you think you're sort of pulling focus from this award winner? I don't think we even know who, who it was for at the time. And, and she said, Oh no, they'll be happy. They'll like, (laughs) and then, and then, and then Don Amici himself said, well, you know, if she hadn't worn that outfit, I wouldn't have been in every newspaper the next day in America because he, you know, he was an older actor that hadn't been doing a lot of movies. And so there was a whole generation or two that didn't really know who he was. That's a great way to look at it. How wonderful. Mm, that's true. <laughs> well, I, he loved it. I, I was delighted that he felt that way because I was nervous about that completely but but you know she livened up the the proceedings and and people are now complaining that nobody does that anymore so i don't know Mm. know, they used to complain say well you know that's not fashion she's dressed up like i don't know what you know all those kind of (laughs) prissy you know hollywood types that are trying to you know pretend that we're doing fine art here And then she walks out in that. So we're, we're in trouble right from the beginning. But some become a classic, whatever. <laughs> this, this might be a, a perfect time to mention. This is very exciting. On November 9th uh, will be released The Art of Bob Mackey. Right. Uh, that's a beautiful, it looks like it's going to be incredible by Frank Vlasnik, and it's billed as the first ever comprehensive and authorized showcase of legendary fashion designer Bob Mackey's fabulous life and work. Well, featuring, that's quite a title, isn't it? Featuring, well, well, this is no, this is just the description on Amazon that I'm reading. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, featuring hundreds of photos and dozens of never before seen sketches from his personal collection. That's and then it says, then it says, share Carol. Burnett, Bette Midler, Pink, Tina Turner, Elton John, Liza Minnelli, Angela Lansbury, Diana Ross, Beyonce, RuPaul and Madonna. What do they all have in common? All have been and don't forget Mitzi Gaynor, who was my first star client ever 
in my in my whole career. Who know? turned and, ninety yesterday? Yes, ninety years oh, old. Yes, yeah, and she's all over Instagram with beautiful, funny messages. It's she's, great. She's you know she is like she's reminds me of Marilyn May in a way. She is like the essence of show business. She knows how to do it all. She knows how to be funny. She knows how to be beautiful. She can sing. She can dance. She was just and she had all those specials back back in the time and they were like amazing and yes. they won lots of emmys and stuff which was great i i i have so many questions hold on one second <laughs> so michael is this frank vlasnik the actor uh, well, frank- actually he is an actor yes and every now and then he's acting for us well but <laughs> he also it's also laura ross it's also written by laura ross it's frank vlasnik and ross both of them okay and- I mean, Frank is an extraordinary uh, uh, archivist, and he has lots of wow, friends. Wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah, he, and he, he knows, knows where to find the photos. He knows what everybody has done and not done and the mistakes they made and, and whatever. He, I mean, he's like a historian. But you guys know him from the big silver Broadway musical book, Frank. Yeah, yeah, James, yeah. you know that book, don't you? The 100 yes, Great yes. 100 Greatest. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I've seen Frank in shows. Uh, yes, well, yeah. 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 An actor, you're with Frog and Toad. Sweet, you're with Frog Frog Sweet toad. smell of success. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Frog yeah. and toad. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, okay. So, uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask you about, uh, one of the many things I wanted to ask you about was uh, how you ended up working with Whitney Houston. Uh, you know what? I never worked with Whitney Houston. She wore some of my clothes because I oh. think. Her stylist went to Saks or wherever and, and bought her some dresses and they'd ask her whose dress it was. But I, I, I didn't know the woman. I never fit her. I, they just, but she had, you know, she was built like a feet, like a model. So she could put anything that was good looking on and look good in it. She could probably <laughs> wear the samples from Saks. I'm she sure. Really, she yeah. really could. She was sample size for sure. She had been a model, a teenage model before she started singing. Have that on my all the time. They say that I and I, you know, I really didn't know her at all. But how about Aretha? Well, and Aretha, <laughs> Aretha Franklin always would come go to Saks in Detroit, I guess it was, and and order things from you know from my trunk show, and she would inevitably order something that was the worst thing she could possibly wear. Well, in your mind, in your mind, in my mind, she loved it. But she, you know, I, she, I, she wore a dress of mine, at, I think at the Kennedy mm-hmm. or no, not the Kennedy, the, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the Kennedy center on. No, 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 no. The other president, <laughs> <laughs> the gray haired president from Clinton. So Clinton, thank Clinton. you. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, there's other stories about him now that we're talking about more because things are coming out. Anyway, that's another story. But more amusingly, she wore your Betty Boop wedding dress on the cover of Ebony magazine. But then she picks the oddest choices that were available and she orders them and wears them and, you know, and and does a funny hairdo and a ponytail. And I I don't know. She's a huge fan. So it was nice. She came to see me once about doing clothes for him. She just decided that I wasn't right for her. So she goes to Saxon, just bought a lot of them. So I don't know. Don't ask ask me to figure out Aretha Franklin. I never could do that. In the world of television, uh, there are two major milestones here. One is uh, in 2002, you were inducted to the Television Hall of Fame. Yeah. And, and in 1981, you were on The Love Boat. Which one is more important? <laughs> well, The Love Boat keeps coming back to haunt me. And, and since, since I, was, it was, I, was, I was working on a movie called Pennies from Heaven. With mm. Yeah. Bernadette, which was not exactly a hit at all, but um, we were doing that. We were doing that whole thing and that, and of course there's lots of pictures being printed and one in the book as well. And of course, everybody now knows who Halston was big time, whether you were alive then or not. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a picture of, you know, Halston and me and Gloria Vanderbilt and Jeffrey Bean and, you know, just, just a whole group of sort of designers at the time. I didn't even have a line at the time. I just, oh, you I, had lunch, right? I, people just sort of knew who I was. <laughs> so uh, you said that uh, Love Boat comes to haunt you. Is it because uh, well, he's he- playing it? <laughs> the only good part is that I really look young, <laughs> and I was. It was nineteen. I don't know, nineteen eighty something. I don't. Know. 
Uh, I, I think it says 81 or so. That but, sounds uh, right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, Pennies from Heaven, uh, yeah. you were nominated for an Academy Award. Let's not glaze over that. Well, I was, yeah, I was. I didn't win one because nobody saw that movie, I don't think. But, you know, I always hear that mentioned. It keeps coming up. Uh, people there are people I, that, that are big, you know, that, that love that film. And it's it's like an underground, you know, cult kind of thing at this point. And, it was uh, very, very creative, really. You know, uh, I think it really stands up as a, as a really creative effort on the part of all of those people. You know, it was Herbert Ross directed it, and Gordon Willis was the, the ph- photographer. The, the uh, yes, cinematographer. Cinematographer, yeah. And uh, it, we had some great people, and we had moments in it that were just brilliant. But you know, they were advertising it at the time as the return of the MGM musical, and of course, it is so twisted and so weird that dark. that dark that movie. You know that that, that well, I, Steve Martin, yeah. Well, but Steve Martin was great in it, but then everybody expected him to be, you know, a laugh a minute, Steve. Right, right. And Bernadette was just looked like right out of the period. Like she just stepped off of the, you know, an old magazine picture or something. She was just amazing and gorgeous. But uh, but six years earlier than Pennies in Heaven, uh, Pennies from Heaven, in 76, you had Funny Lady. And and, and there were some people of note in that. (laughs) Just a few. <laughs> James Kahn, I'm thinking of. <laughs> Roddy McDowell. Ben Vereen. Ben Vereen, yes. Ben Vereen. <laughs> we had some really good people, and it was a good little movie. But but you know what? The original script was really interesting. It, they Billy Rose was going to be played by uh, Dustin Hoffman. Right. It would have been an amazing to see mm. Barbara and Dustin Hoffman, him playing Billy Rose. With 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 the bald head and the whole thing, just looking just like Billy Rose really looked, and short, very short, and and she just got a little nervous, and mm. so we ended up with James Con, who's who's a lovely actor, but hardly that like that character that had all those aquacades and and folly shows and and world's fair you know spectaculars uh you know he he was a really interesting and and wrote a lot of songs and most people say most of those songs he didn't really write he bought or he added one line to them and they became his so it it, it was a more interesting bunch of two people that came together and and got married and whatever you know it was just kind of wild when you think about it but it, it wasn't as interesting as it could have been, I don't think. And I can say that today because that's a million years ago, but whatever. Did you enjoy doing it though? I, well, I love doing it. I, you know, I love working with Barbara. She's, she's, you know, not easy, but, but you, she's worth it. Meticulous. <laughs> we're, we're, we're skipping around here, but I have to ask you again about platinum, which I, uh, I did see, even though it only ran a month. Uh, you know, Platinum was fun to do, but it wasn't such a good show. No, it, and that's why it ran a month. But <laughs> I, like, I like to say, but I did lovely work. <laughs> you know, it makes me feel better. And we have actually in in the new book, there's a full page picture of, of Alexis. Alexis Smith in her finale gown, which weighed about, you know, 50 pounds. Because it was just solid. It was done like like a platinum record in solid bugle. Yes. You know, if she, she fell over. Well, you know, she took her bows in that. And she says, you know, if I ever trip and fall, I won't be able to get up. <laughs> <laughs> but she and- was she was lovely and amazing. And I, I miss her. She she was really something to work with. And a, a real a real old time movie star that that decided at one point in her career, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm tired of this movie thing, you know, because she mm. was a star. And uh, and then when they put her in Follies, it was magic. Yes. And uh, Platinum played at the Mark Hellinger. So I guess mm. it was another nail in the coffin of that theater. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yes, yes. Yeah. Although uh, Platinum had a young Jonathan Freeman in it. So I didn't, uh, I didn't remember that. <laughs> wow. You know, and Cheetah's daughter, Lisa Modenti, uh, was in it too. And yes. 
which, you know, she didn't do a lot of theater after that, but, but she was adorable and could sing and dance. And, and her, her, you know, her father is, is Tony Mordanti, the, the director, choreographer, whatever he does, you know, he could do everything. And he was in West Side Story. So, you know, it's, it was an amazing bunch of people that we worked with. Actually, I have a f- funny story for you. The, the leading man, I guess, in that show was a, yes. an actor named Richard Cox. Yes, I was just getting around to that, where he got out of, out of the tub, the bathtub, and all the, all the, all the <laughs> matinee ladies would keep, keep coming back to see the show because he was a star. Naked, you know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I think that would keep us open longer, wouldn't you? <laughs> he played a character named Dan Danger, uh, who yeah. was this kind of like he was, a, he was a rock and roll guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, years. He, uh, he great. He's handsome. Uh, yes, uh, but uh, my story is that uh, this was before a few years later. Uh, I guess that's Entertainment Three came out, and uh, the movie, you know, and I went to see it on the East Side somewhere, and Richard Cox was in the audience, and and you know, I don't think he expected anyone to recognize him, uh, but I, but I, as we were leaving, I turned to him and said, you know, it's. I said it's too bad that platinum isn't in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, well, it it wasn't. (laughs) I wanted to ask you about Best Little Horror House Who Goes Public because... uh, Speaking of another flop. (laughs) It was a flop, but I I saw a dress rehearsal of it, and I really enjoyed it. And I have to tell you my my version. You know, I watched you know, previews and dress rehearsals and the audience was going crazy and laughing and they were having the best time. And the review came out when we opened, people sat there with their arms folded with a sneer on their face. It was, you know, we've all seen that happen in the theater. I mean, that happens quite a lot. And, but it was so obvious then. And the thing is, it was politically a wrong time to do a show about happy-go-lucky whores, you know, it, it it was everybody, we were fighting all kinds of, you know, bad diseases and AIDS and everything else. And it just, it just seemed wrong somehow where the original, you know, uh, the, the original show that it was taken from, that was the, the sequel of, uh, was a, you know, enormous hit. And still, yes. still does business, I'm sure. When you were doing Whorehouse Goes Public, um, is the, is this the type of uh, thing where you threw out everything from the the uh, previous show, uh, or did you start uh, building upon what they had originally? It was a different script. Well, it's a whole yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. And they all went to Las Vegas and whatever. It was it was far jazzier visually than than the original one because they weren't out in a in a farm somewhere in the middle of Texas, right? But, they went to Vegas. We had we had people playing Vegas stars for one big number. We had Eliza. We had Siegfried and Roy. Well, actually, that was a fun one. We had Siegfried and Roy was played by one man, and half of him was Siegfried, and the other half was Roy. <laughs> I think it turned <laughs> the other. I mean, that was one of the the most fun things that we did. But we had everybody. We had Dolly Parton. We had Barbara Streisand. We had uh, and Margaret. I mean, it was just the world was anybody that played vague. Sonny and Cher were even in it. You know, not real, but but played. Yeah, person. <laughs> Impersonated. So it was it was really fun doing the show for me. It was it was crazy, you know. But uh, I'm sorry that it didn't play. But I understand the the reason you know mm-hmm. I, and i don't i didn't like it and i and i told the producer originally i said you have to change the name of this and call it something else so people don't get so nervous <laughs> did you uh have a chance to work with tommy tune elsewhere uh in in anything else um yeah well, almost miss spectacular almost well that was oh. a oh. show that that um who, Jerry Herman. Jerry Herman. I'm sorry. How could I forget Jerry Herman? (laughs) Jerry Herman had written for Vegas called Miss Spectacular, and they were going to do it together. And the two of them just obviously hated each other in that first meeting. We just sat there and went, oh, dear, this is not going to (laughs) happen. And it didn't. It didn't. They both had completely different ideas about how that show should run, uh, which was interesting when you think about it, you know. And Tommy was was really brilliant and fun to work with for me uh, because he had he had great ideas. 
but um, it didn't. I don't know. Well, Jerry didn't want those ideas. Well, Jerry didn't. Right. Well, Jerry had his ideas already figured out. You know, he, he was a, a control freak of sorts. I mean, I I appreciate that <laughs> since I am one. And uh, merciless. And and he, but he <laughs> liked that. You you had to do it his way. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm sure when they hired Carol Channing originally, he probably didn't approve of that either. But but that worked out really well. <laughs> <laughs> so I would never, never in a million years ask you who is the most difficult person to work with was. Oh, but there was there isn't one, just one. Well, you know, there there's there there's some people are they just take a little more time, a little more work, mm-hmm. more of a challenge. Work with them, you know. And and we were we use the we use the title uh, control freak. Um, <laughs> and, and some people just are some actors are just, you know, you've got, they have ideas and they're not going to let go of them, but they wouldn't be successful if they weren't. Well, I don't think that's that. always yeah. true. I mean, if you really, it's well, everybody will say, Oh, well, it must be Barbara. Oh, Barbara. Well, you know, Barbara is one of those people that that questions everything. And she knows a lot. She knows what looks best on her. She knows she doesn't always I don't know. She's just interesting. I first time I worked with her, I was working on the Judy Garland show and she finally bought herself a pair of expensive Italian, beautiful satin pumps to go with a dress she's having made. And I was a poor girl before that, you know, this just before she went into to a funny girl, she was getting ready to, you know, it was the Judy Garland show with, with Ethel Merman and she and Judy singing together. I mean, how good can it be? And the poor girl was just like flabbergasted. She said, where, what am I doing? Where am I here? But anyway, she had these good shoes and she says, they don't, the white doesn't match my white costume that she'd had made in Hollywood. And, and I didn't do, I didn't do her costume. Nobody that I know did. And, but I know she had it. And, um, and I said, well, we can dye that down. We have shoe dye downstairs in wardrobe. And I was the assistant uh, a designer on that show. And, uh, and so I said, would you like to do it? She said, well, I don't know. What, are you going to ruin them? And, and I said, no, I'm not going to ruin them. But I'll come, come, I'll show you. We'll, we'll, we'll mix the color, the off-white, and, and we'll try it on a sample piece of satin. So we're not going to touch the shoe until we're really sure we like the color. So I, I, I took her downstairs to the bowels of, of CBS and we mixed the color and she's standing there and, and she's watching me. She doesn't trust me at all. She doesn't trust anybody really, you know, and, until she really knows you. Hot kettle. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. And, <laughs> and, um, she, um, I got, I got it all mixed up and I said, okay, now I can do it. She grabbed the shoes and the little dauber with the dye on it. And she dyed the damn shoes herself. And, <laughs> and I thought, well, now I know exactly what we're working with here. <laughs> and, and that was fun. You know, I mean, I, I, it made me laugh. It didn't make me think she was any, I mean, she was fabulous. I, 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 I'm a little sad that she's lost some of that humor that she had as a young performer. Mm. Uh, that that I really miss. Uh, I think you know everybody takes themselves so seriously sometimes as they enter into their later years. I'm trying not to be that way. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I was gonna. I, I would never ask you who is most difficult, but uh, who were some of your favorite people that favorites? <laughs> yeah, okay. favorites oh. that your heart skips a beat when you hear about them. Well, I mean, you know, they're people that you love working with and they, they get you, you get them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, of course, of course, Carol is just, you know, way up on the list. Uh, Mitzi, I adore Mitzi Gaynor because she, she's, she was like Miss Showbiz. She really did it all and, and, and loved to get a laugh and loved it. You know, she, she's just one of those people that, 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 they come from from another time, you know. They 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 like existed like at turn of the century, and you know she didn't. But she she just knows it all. She knows all that lo- show business lore that that people have. And and uh, uh, Bernadette, of course, is she? I think she did come from then. <laughs> <laughs> she's like she's like a throwback. 
And I have, I have, again, in my book, I have, I have these amazing pictures of, of, of Bernadette when she did a lingerie layout for play playboy, playboy magazine. She's not nude, but she's wearing underwear from different periods. And she just fits right into every period that she's, that she's posing in. It's just amazing. She looks so beautiful. Oh, yeah. And of course, Cher, Cher just, I don't know, I don't know what planet she came from. She just (laughs) showed up one day and she was funny. She could sing like nobody else has a voice like that. Well, her mother does, actually. Her her mother (laughs) has a voice just like hers. And somebody asked her, who who taught you how to sing? She's like, you know, and then you hear her mother sing and you go, yeah. I was just trying to think of people that I really love working. I love working with the diet. And and I love Diane Carroll. I I love like Ella Fitzgerald was an amazing, lovely, lovely woman. She'd come on a show and she'd be all prepared. She'd have her gown, she'd have her hair, she'd have everything. And and you just sat down and talked to her. And there was such a real lovely, lovely lady, you know. And how talented can you be? You know, it's one of those things when they're good and they and they don't have a big edge to them. I love that. <laughs> different, different people. I don't know. All kinds. I've, you know, I've been in the business 60 years doing that. So I kind of forget some of them, you know, or they're sure. not doing it anymore, but uh, you know, it's, it's good when you meet somebody that, that are, that have respect for you and make you love them. You know, you can't help it. In the beginning, the first couple of sketches he did, 20, 30 sketches for Alicia Pink. And she went mad because she never had anybody draw that way, draw her that way. Mm. And she saw herself in a whole well, new way. That's a really talented girl. Uh, I don't work with her so much anymore. Uh, it, I don't think we get along so well. I, and it isn't that either one of us do anything wrong. It's just, you know, but I still, I, I, I tell you, that's one of the most brilliant kind of strange individuals that exist out there swinging from the trapeze and doing all this crazy (laughs) stuff and and writing songs and singing her heart out. She's really amazing. She really is. How much work did you do for Madonna? I I did one dress for the Academy Awards and it was a copy of one I had done in my collection. And and they put it on her for the cover of, um, Vanity Fair. Vanity Fair, yeah, and and she says, "Well, I need something like this to wear on the Academy Awards." And and Marina Schiano, her her stylist, said, well, "Why don't you just call Bob Mackie and have one made?" And of course, she wore she wore the sample on the cover, but the sample was made for a six foot girl. You know, they were like for models to wear, and mm. she's a little girl, but it didn't matter. She looked amazing on that cover, and. Um, uh, I was very happy to do it. I, I was always hoping she'd come back, but she never did. Didn't you do a black dress for her too? Well, I loaned her a black dress. Oh. She was going to wear it out after the show. And because she had the white, the silver white one, like Monroe, that kind of look on. She didn't want to take it off. And she was with and, Michael Jackson. Then she that went, night, right? she and Michael Jackson talk about a strange couple uh, <laughs> wandering around the Academy Awards parties, you know, uh, that, that was an odd some for sure. <laughs> Lots of press. <laughs> they were on, they were in every magazine, thousands of pictures. My gosh. Yeah. And they were both in silver. And, you know, he, 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 well, he didn't ask to put the dress on. <laughs> <laughs> he used to do, he used to do, a, he used to do a mean imitation of Diana Ross, little Michael. <laughs> not, not too many of us ever saw that. <laughs> well, I, that, that's what his whole voice became, right? Well, it really did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. So, uh, Bob Mackey and Joe McFate, thank you so much for joining us on Broadway Radio. We really had a wonderful time on Sunday morning chatting with you. And enjoy the rest of your time in P-Town. How many times have you seen Marilyn show? <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I was there the first night she played the... The, um, which, the Rainbow it? Medley, you mean, no, or the, no, the no, Art no. House? No, no, not the Art House. The In, in New York, when she... Oh, had, the Metropolitan Room. The Metropolitan Room. And she hadn't worked in so many years and uh, in New York. And she was terrified and she said, nobody's going to come and they're not going to like me. And, you know, she got up there and she, and she killed. killed. And of course she's been getting nothing but amazing reviews. And this has been what, 15 years ago. She said 15 years. Yeah. And, and she's, 
she is like like Miss Showbiz's. She's she and Mitzi Gaynor. They're 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 you know she knows how to get up on the stage and entertain you, you know. And she's and I said somebody says, do you use the same keys that you used to have? She says. I don't have that voice anymore. I changed. I lowered all my keys. You know why? Do, <laughs> There's why, no shame in that. Why do all? Why do all those old girls that you know retire for for twenty years and then try to come back into show business? You know they 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 just creak and groan and can't hit the notes. Uh, just lower the keys. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, was it? Uh, we uh, was it when we talked to Marilyn? Marilyn told us that she she played a driveway concert. <laughs> During the pandemic, during, the- during COVID, she did a driveway concert, and the audience was seated <laughs> yeah. across the the street in their on their lawn furniture on, was, the, on their own lawn. Yeah. I mean, she played a tent. She did a lot of things during COVID just to keep working. She yeah, just, I mean, she's the happiest when she's you know entertaining somebody and singing. Tomorrow, we're going to see her at the Cotuit Performing Arts Center. So she's got another gig on her night off. She's going down the Cape to play one night at the Cotuit Performing Arts Center. And then she's back here next week. Oh, I didn't know that. But, you know, when she first <laughs> when she first started in P-Town uh, some years ago, I think she started with three performances and then she went up to a week and now she's doing two weeks. Two weeks. Well, nobody wanted her here. I mean, they could say, you don't want to play there. They have nothing but drag queens. She says, well, I could be a drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but but there, there weren't all these Broadway performers performing up here in those days. It, it was a whole different kind of uh, form of entertainment than, than it is now. Now it's a, a complete mix of, you know, fabulous, talented people and good, good, funny drag queens and everybody. I mean, you can really you can really be entertained in Provincetown. I was there on opening night, too. As you know, I was sitting uh, in front of uh, uh, Joe and Bob, but then directly in front of them. I, I remember you both were so thrilled. There, were, there was a young uh, male couple and they were like, they were in in ecstasy oh they, they were thrilled they googled her and they well, were talking about some of her recordings and things uh, they were very hip and and that's what marilyn loves is that there there are younger people who are really getting her hmm. but but you know she plays palm springs and she you know they're a slightly older group down there. <laughs> I, I say, since, I, since I live there, I have to say that. Uh, probably, most of them are younger than me, I think. But, yeah, but, but, yeah. but it's, just, it's just funny. Uh, she, she said that. She says, you know, that all those people in Palm Springs, they really get me. And, you know, everybody wants to be gotten like that. You know, I love it when people like my work and, and she likes it when they like her work. And it's you, that's why you're there to you're there to do it. You're the, mm. it's part of the you know for me it's part of the entertainment. It's the visual entertainment, uh, and if it makes you happy or gets the audience all riled up, that's good. And she loves that. I mean, you know, you saw her getting that those hands on the, from those guys. I mean, it was amazing. Yes, it's really amazing to be in that audience. You don't get that every day. No. Uh, Palm Springs keeps coming up over and over. I, I'm thinking it's the Broadway, it's the West version of Broadway. Well, <laughs> From there, your mouth. <laughs> there is a place there called the Purple Room that is like an old time uh, Rat Pack kind of nightclub. Well, and, it was the. And, and everybody, everybody loves playing there. And the guys that run it and own it are really lovely. And, and they're like real gentlemen. They're not like these old time, you know, mean you know, cabaret owners or whatever. <laughs> we'll see. We'll you know, see how it plays. We've met them all. <laughs> Joe, what were you saying? Oh, nothing. It's a great place, but it was the original place long before Vegas that Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra used to hang out. And it's where they got that initial idea of doing a show together. That's sort of the birth of the, the Rat Pack. This, uh, the, it's called the Purple Room. Oh, I did not know that. Wow. wow. That's amazing. So that stage in that space is the original spot. Gosh. Wow. <laughs> All right. Well, Bob and Joe, thank you so much again. And uh, we'll have to catch up soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Okay, Peter. Welcome uh, t- 
temporarily here. Where are you uh, going to be on Sunday? I'll be coming back from South Carolina. Um, I, I have this goal of seeing theater in all 50 states. And I was supposed to see Bright Star down there, but unfortunately, uh, COVID took its uh, nasty head and um, caused that to be canceled. So um, <laughs> another community theater has been gracious enough to let me go to a rehearsal of Avita. So I'll be seeing that rather than Bright Star, but uh, I'm still very excited to go. This will be State 47, by the way. State 47. Right. Uh, you've never been to the Hilton Head Playhouse? No. No, I know oh. about it, but you have, huh? Have you performed yeah. there? No, no, no. I haven't oh. performed, but I oh. uh, have friends that have performed there, and uh, it's uh, quite the place to see a show. So uh, 47 out of 50, What what's left? Montana, Idaho, and Hawaii. So we'll see what happens. (laughs) Excellent. So do you have an answer for last week's trivia? Well, the question was, what was supposed to happen on Broadway on November 17th, 1987, but didn't? Well, La Caja Fall was to move from the palace because a new hotel was going to be built next door. A hotel that's already gone, by the way. Uh, La Caja was to reopen at the Mark Hellinger that night with Leroy Reams as Alban and Mace Barrett as George after Robert Stack locked horns with, who else, director Arthur Lawrence. Mm-hmm. But at the last minute, the deal fell through, and that decision ultimately factored in the Nederlander's decision to sell the Mark Hellinger Theater. Tony Janicki was the first to get it, followed by J. Aubrey Jones and Dude. Now, faithful listeners will recall that I said last week's that this week's question would be awfully involved. I'm sure you'll agree with me when you hear it. Here we go. If Julie Jordan in Carousel had decided after she married Billy Bigelow to use the initials of her first name and maiden name, she'd be J.J. Bigelow, right? Well, I'm looking for another character in a Rodgers and Hammerstein musical who, if she did the same thing with her name, would then have the same name of a British novelist (laughs) who used his initials before his last name. Now, one of his novels was adapted into an early 60s Broadway play that retained the novel's name. In the play was an actress who was later in a David Merrick, Tony Losing musical of the 60s. And it was an actor who portrayed a playwright in a very famous 20th century film that was later adapted into a famous 21st century musical. Who's the Rogers and Hamstein character? Who's the novelist? What's the name of the novel in the play? Who were the two people included in the cast? What was the Merrick musical? And what was the 20th, 20th century film? Not 20th century Fox film, by the way. And what was the smash hit 21st century musical? Wow. People are going to need the whole week Week, to get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm I'm so glad it's a uh, you know you can get this in a podcast, so you can stop and rewind and go back to it. I'll say Uh, next week is going to be much easier. It's just a simple sentence. But um, given that the week before was a simple sentence, yeah, the time had come. Okay. If you have an answer to that, uh, email us at trivia at broadwayradio.com. We'll let you know if you're on the right track. Michael, so what do we have in this week's musical moment? Well, I thought we might actually have a cut from the cast album of the 1974 uh, production of Lorelei, which was a redo of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Uh, and, I, you know, I thought, well, what Bob Mackie show uh, can we have a, a song from? And there were several possibilities. But this one struck me because I always have loved this song, A Little Girl from Little Rock. Uh Gentlemen Prefer Blondes uh, and Lorelei have a great score. Uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes original score by Julie Stein and Leah Robin. And uh, most of those songs were included in Lorelei. And then there were some new songs uh, 
with lyrics by Comden and Green. But this is the original. Uh, this this song was so good that they knew that they didn't want a monkey with it. Uh, and it's uh, Julie Stein was one of the greatest composers in Broadway history. But Leo Robin, uh, I think, was really a, a fantastic lyricist who maybe doesn't always get his full due. The The lyrics to this song and the other songs in this show are so clever uh, that I, I always find it hilarious to listen to. And then, of course, as performed by Carol Channing, um, you know, it, it just, she, she was just really to put the, able to really put them over like nobody else. Uh, it's interesting to compare her uh, two recordings of, of these songs on the original cast recording of, of Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which I think was... 1949 <laughs> uh, and then this uh, this cast album of Lorelei which was 1974 so uh, yes that that is our musical moment for the week and and uh, we'll leave you with the inimitable Carol Channing who performed Lorelei in costumes by Bob Mackey <laughs> <laughs> All right. So on behalf of Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia, this is James Marino saying thanks so much for listening to Broadway Radio's This Week on Broadway. Bye-bye. Bye. Every night, opportunity would knock. And some of these days in my fancy clothes, I'm going back home and thumb my nose. At the one who done me round, the one who done me round. The one who done me wrong in Little Rod. For a kid from a small street, I did very well in Wall Street, although I never bought a share of stock. And some of these days I've got it planned. I'm a going back home and shake the hand of the one who done me wrong, the one who done me wrong, the one who done me wrong in said the one who done me wrong, the one who done me wrong, the one who done me wrong. Just a little girl from Little Rock But fate led me straight to Murray Hill And I suddenly had a charge account It amounted to quite a large amount But somehow I never got the bill Although I lost my heart in Little Rock I still wasn't smart about romance I've discovered since then that a girl in love Usually gets a token of a man's appreciation in advance Though my landlord adored me He was like a father toward me Until I found he owned a city block and now that I'm known in the biggest banks, I'm a going back home and give my thanks to the one who done me wrong, the one who done me wrong, the one who done me wrong in Said the one who done me wrong, the one who done me wrong, the one who done me wrong.